Well, welcome to uh, service today. Um, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God some more. In fact, I think every message, everything that the church does should be centered around the kingdom of God. Why not? That's what we're all about, isn't it? Obtaining the kingdom of God, uh, sharing the kingdom of God, trying to possess the kingdom of God, seeking after, understanding, hoping for, living out, and articulating the kingdom of God. I've spoken here uh, four months or so, and uh, I'm not one of those ministers that are just satisfied with a one-and-done message and thinking about, what are we going to talk about this week <laughs> or this season? But um, soon, uh, I'll be uh, uh, summarizing kind of the top 10 or top 12 maybe steps that we kind of covered already, because I think they're important. Um, I'm, I'm not a natural gifted speaker that could just step up and just start off the top of their head, just uh, telling stories, telling jokes, entertaining. Um, a lot of uh, speakers can do that, and they're amazing to uh, listen to. kind of doesn't matter what they're talking about, the topic. It's just interesting, and you tend to pick up some things. But these past four months... Um, I've spent some time, uh, as you've known, sometimes I've gone overtime. <laughs> you need a bigger clock for the speakers, you know, to, to uh, rein things in. I could barely see that one way up there, quarter till, okay. It's one way up in the loft. Um, I've spent quite a, fit, uh, quite a bit of time uh, thinking about what are the important things to teach on. And they come around this topic of the kingdom of God. And we think about Jesus, right? There's certain times in the calendar we definitely think about Jesus. Christmas, right? Baby Jesus, and certainly Easter, the crucifixion, and what that is all about. We spent some time in Genesis, right? Of kind of foundationally, what is, why did Jesus have to come? And we, had, we got to look back and the foundational things of the fall of humanity, paradise uh, possessed, oneness possessed, oneness lost, um, and the consequences of that. So that's kind of been, you know, if you're wondering uh, what's Pastor Curtis' style of preaching, what, uh, what, what, um, what topics are we going to cover, those have been what they've been centered around, obtaining the kingdom of God, grasping it, living it out, inheriting it, and enjoying the redeemed life. And secondly, finally, inviting others to the abundant life that we're living. Um, the abundant life isn't just something that's in the future, um, you know, after we pass away. It is, but it is now as well. And then we discussed earlier in looking at the life of Jesus, the, 2,000 years ago, Jesus said the kingdom is at hand. It's now. Now was then, but it's now now when we live. So what Jesus you know, was, he is, and he is to come. It's kind of like getting our minds around the kingdom of God. And so we're going to be talking about a little bit more and experiencing authentic community. Today's title, today's message, 
is authentic community. Lecture and lab. Lecture and lab. So I'm going to be talking for a little bit, and then after we're going to be dismissed, and we're going to sh uh, use those folding chairs. And since there's only three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten of us, we have a little small group. And for those that feel comfortable, we're going to just kind of go uh, experience and apply some of these principles just to share a little bit about ourselves, get to know each other a little bit more, okay? So that is what we're planning, all right? So if your palms are getting sweaty and you're looking for the exits, plan your escape now. Uh, it's certainly optional, but maybe after listening to, the, listening to this amazing message, you'll be mo motivated to stay, <laughs> okay? So Acts 2, 42 talks about after Jesus came, uh, apparently sad that he was crucified, they thought their uh, charismatic leader was done for, their movement lost, scrubbed, he rose from the grave. He rose from the grave and gave the Holy Spirit and empowered them, and Jesus lived within them day by day. So in Acts 2, 42, it talks about they were devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayers. The early church gathered together in homes to eat together, develop relationships with one another. There was teaching, there was fellowship, breaking of bread. They shared their wealth with each other. They shared for each other's physical needs, in other words. Breaking this down a little bit more, Verse 42 says, they grew spiritually. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Apparently, the apostles were teaching in the temple courts. That was their synagogue of the community, church at that time. Now, in our era, you know, we have churches on every block, every corner, um, so to speak. And so there's varieties back in Jerusalem when uh, things were very monolithic, you know, as far as there were Jews and there was other people, Gentiles. Uh, they were apparently teaching in the temple courts, and then they went home afterwards during the week and studied the teachings a little more deeply. So they kind of had small groups during the week, basically. So I'm going to be suggesting, now that, now that most of the church leaders are away, we're going to change things up. I'm going to be suggesting uh, a different format to church. I know the church resources and attendance and, and um, your, the purpose at the pulpit um, has been in flux. Um, you have worship set. You have a message. And I've been suggesting coffee when we first get here. I've been suggesting that we uh, get together in, in conversation, and we're going to practice that today. So this is the different format I am going to be suggesting. So they worshiped together. They devoted to each other to breaking of bread and to prayer and to praising God. These early small groups participated in communion, and they worshiped together. They also evangelized the lost. Acts 2.47 says, The Lord added to their numbers daily to those who were being saved. So it's important that 
church not just be a synagogue or a temple where people come and then we leave. We come and then we leave. The church needs to be open to new people. If we have a small group, a function, it needs to be more than just a club, right? We're, it's a gathering for insiders, familiarity. But we have to honor the empty chair uh, whenever we meet to think about how to remember that God may be bringing new people, and we want to uh, be open to that. God says the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. So we have to believe, have faith, that their people are hungry to come into the uh, family of God. We have to prepare for that. <clears throat> so these small groups are in Acts are really a microcosm of the greater church, the health of the church. It's important to have uh, small group opportunities. Maybe, uh, simp- you know, people ask, well, what are we going to do in these small groups? What are we going to do? Um, you could easily uh, just go over what was taught in the synagogue, what was taught on Sunday, to develop things a little bit more. When we especially go through a lar- uh, passage of Scripture, you could certainly study the bigger context of that book and talk about your insights, what God's teaching you, or go into depth, a little deeper study of the nuances of the history and background of the passage. So these small groups and acts were a microcosm of the greater church, and it's important to join a church not just because of uh, familiarity, um, or what they have going on either, but it's important to look and see what the leadership has planned for what they want to strive to become, okay? Uh, In this era of consumerism and consumer Christianity, it's very easy to church shop, you know, go from church to church and look at their bulletin, look at what's going on, look at their website. What do they have going on? But where are they going? What's their vision? Okay, so it's important. It's important for a church, the leadership, to have a vision. You've heard the term, without a vision, the people perish. Without a vision, the people perish, and I certainly believe in that. The church congregation needs to be meeting together in smaller groups to usher in the kingdom of God. This relates to the larger kingdom of God that we've been talking about. Every message that I've been preaching is one part, one aspect, one facet of the kingdom of God. Why get together in small groups? Because it's a process of grasping, realizing the kingdom of God now. The kingdom of God isn't just something historical like Jesus came in his flesh He ushered in the kingdom of God, and it's something that we ritualistically celebrate with the Eucharist, uh, communion, and whatnot. We do that as well, but the kingdom of God is now, and the kingdom of God is to be possessed, redeemed. Now, that sounds general. What does that mean? Specifically, once we come to the Lord, once we come to faith, 
we get to experience and reverse the effects of Genesis 3, the fall of humanity. That's kind of cool, isn't it? Well, what was that? We talked about after Adam and Eve, our spiritual parents <clears throat> uh, sinned and rebelled from God. It permeated throughout our human race. We had estrangement, broken relationships from God, ourselves, and other people. <clears throat> Verse 8 in Genesis 3 says, uh, Adam and Eve hid from God because they were fearful. This broken relationship, this fear. Themselves, Adam and Eve, they were fearful because they were naked and ashamed. They were naked and ashamed. They were exposed, their real self. They wanted to hide it from God, their authentic selves. They hid. And then others we talked about as sin permeated. What did... Uh, our cousins and aunts and uncles do from Adam and Eve? <clears throat> they minimize responsibility and they blamed others. <laughs> right? Remember that? Minimizing responsibility and they blamed others. That's kind of our extended families, right? Our interpersonal relationships. So, meeting together in small groups, we get to reverse that process. We get to reverse that process of bro two broken people. Remember that little formula I gave you? Two halves. Half times a half equals another fraction. If I only, what makes a broken person? If I only had something else. If I only had that job. If I only had that girlfriend. If I only had that boyfriend. How old are we here? You guys are thinking about girlfriends and boyfriends. All right. <laughs> If I only had. And then once you possess those things, what happens? If I only had a different girlfriend or boyfriend. If I only had that job, that dream, striving for something. Once you possess that full-time job, if I only had more time to relax and enjoy myself. If I only had that car or that house. And then once you possess those things, what? There's always something better to Lust after. This is one of the diseases that we have as humans. But in small groups in church, as we meet together, as we worship God, and celebrate uh, God's victory, not only over the grave, but ushering in the kingdom in Jesus, in the flesh. He lived, died, and he resurrected. That's a picture of the kingdom of God. But we all share in that. We get to usher in the kingdom of God in our lives. We get to reclaim even mortality. That was a consequence of Genesis 3. We have the hope beyond the grave. It gives us peace as uh, we lose people around us, and then even as we face our own mortality. So what do we need to do? We need to, yes, risk. We need to risk. We need to get out of ourselves and come to faith in God, come to faith in Jesus as we worship with our whole selves, no longer in fear, realizing that, and we look at the story of the prodigal son, what did he do? Even the slaves at my father's house eat, 
you know, I, I'm going to starve here. So he determined, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back. Go back what? As a slave. He was shameful. He was burdened with the reality of his wild living. And what did the father do? He ran to him, right? He ran to him to restore him to sonship. And that's what God does for us. He put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, and a robe on his back, and restored him to sonship. As we usher in the kingdom of God in our lives, we need to look for a faith-based community to live out our walk, our faith, and in, to be authentic with God and to be authentic with each other. It's important to look for a church with Bible teaching, not just topical, interesting topics or a personality-driven, charismatic speaker or an experiential experience with lights, cameras, and fog on the stage. There are churches that are like that. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. Now, if you find a biblically-based church that has a fog machine, that is topical, that has an interesting speaker to listen to, that's just fun, interesting to listen to, and you learn things, and it's biblically-based, that's a huge blessing. But, I don't know, maybe it's like uh, kind of our personalities. You know, you take your personality, Myers-Briggs test, you look at it, guess what? We don't have all the traits of everybody else, right? We're, we're not perfect, and the church is imperfect. Every church that you go to, every body that you go to, it's going to be a little off, <laughs> right? The worship experience is going to be over, better over here. The teaching is going to be better over there. The, the fellowship, the people experience, their small group experience is going to be better somewhere else. I don't know why it's that way. I think it's part of because we are in the process of being redeemed, right? We ourselves, and as people gather together, we are in the process of becoming iron sharpening iron, right? And we only do that in relationship, in community. And this is something that's kind of exciting because as we live life, our nuclear family that we grew up with changes, all right? You know, as a father, I remember my kids growing up and you try to encourage them, they get uh, discouraged, and you see this, this term, this uh, phrase on TV all the time, oh, it's okay, don't worry. Whatever happens, I'm, I'm going to always be there with, for you right? I'm going to always be there with you. As a parent, we would like to do that, but guess what? You never know what fate is going to uh, bring our way. Sometimes distance uh, causes us our inability to be there, and uh, certainly we're not going to be there for our kids forever. We hand them over to God. So as our nuclear families and extended families change and morph, you know, Asian Americans and other cultures, we kind of worship 
our extended family, right? You'll see on placards on their house or t-shirts, family is everything, right? And it's kind of nice, um, but the grass is always greener on the other side. We look at other families like, man, they got the perfect family. Two kids, they come to church, all dressed so nicely. They all get along, right? Man, why is my family not like that? Well, chances are, Every family is like that. In fact, I think it's a fact of life if we believe in Genesis 3, in our fallen humanity, every family is like that. Addictions, abuses, we know statistically there's no social economic barriers that these maladies and addictions and compulsions people escape from. We, we kind of would like to think, wow, man, that class, that whatever, if I only had that, every, every, I would have everything all together. But it's not always that way. It's important, the joy of the extended family of the church is that two are better than one, right? This is how we inherit, this is how we live out our redeemed family of God in community with each other. Okay, a couple other slides. Um, the new format, my messages aren't going to be as long or, you know, a big long teaching on a long passage. They're going to be more top, they're going to be uh, on the kingdom of God, and there might be some discussion questions for you to go further throughout the week. And I don't want you to just go further just by yourself. I want you to go further with other people. And these are some slides and passages that we covered before. Two are better than one if one falls down. So this is my vision for authentic church community. Don't be concerned of where you're at right now. Park Vista, First Chinese Baptist, have hope. Put your effort in on what God wants you to do, what we want to become. I said uh, we need to have coffee time when we come together. If this is your only meeting time, this is the fellowship time. Uh, I wouldn't be pushing for coffee time when we first get here if you had uh, opportunities throughout the week, but you guys don't right now. So this is coffee time. An informal greeting. The, what's the goal? Is welcoming uh, new people, newcomers, having friendly fellowship. There's a service opportunity. You need hosts and hostesses. You just need people designated to uh, um, welcome, um, chit-chat with people, let them feel comfortable, orient them to what the church is about, where it's going. <laughs> Maybe that's what you share with them. They might ask, well, what do you have going on in this church? <laughs> okay, uh, You're going to be talking about where the church is going. All right, And that's what the leadership has to articulate for the church. Worship time. Um, I'm going to be introducing actual prayer and meditation. Prayer, we'll be talking about prayer very soon. Prayer is not 
just rote memory prayer, like the Lord's Prayer. I think I've done it once or twice with communion, but Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer, not something to be recited, right? We all know the Lord's Prayer, right? Does anybody, everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, right? Yes, we know it by heart, right? Our Father, who art in heaven, right? We recite it. Catholics have the rosary beads. They recite prayers over and over again. I mean, there's some value in meditation. That's, you know, if you just draw from that meditation, but 10 prayers versus 5 prayers versus 20 prayers isn't going to pull God's purse strings or, you know, puppet strings any better. So we need to think about that and talk about prayer. So I'm going to be introducing prayer in worship service. Table talk, 15 minutes or so, is going to be our teaching time. It's going to be a little shorter, um, and then we're going to have some opportunity to discuss it with each other, um, to process things, something, something that you didn't get, something... Uh, I've encouraged you guys to come with your Bibles, to come with a notepad, and like I said, pretty soon I'll be summarizing what we've covered so far, and if you have been taking notes, you already have a summary in your notes of the basic topics. And then dismissing each other, we need to have community, weekly community groups, opportunities to check in with each other and share and care for each other, all right? That's my vision. There's three layers of discussion as we talk. What are we going to do in small groups? Um, I believe it can create authentic community if we're intentional, all right? Everything a church does needs to be intentional in building up the kingdom, some aspect of it. From the moment someone drives up and parks their car, what's their, if they're a visitor, what is their experience? So three, there's three layers of discussion in small groups. Um, kind of goes on the uh, four or five levels of communication. You could Google that. <clears throat> the first is cliche talking, you know. How's the weather? Hey, good to see you. What's up? What's shaking? I'm good. How about you? All right. See you later. <laughs> okay. We've all done that. We've all done that. And that's our, that's our fellowship interaction. Second layer is sharing facts. Okay? Sharing facts instead of, um, you know, what what'd you do this week? How was work? How was your week? You know, you just share facts. You know, I ate, slept, worked, came to church. (laughs) Very safe, very safe, factual. Next are sharing your, your thoughts, opinions about things, right? Those are more personal. And then certainly your feelings as well. We guard those feelings, right? And then sharing um, 
this is how I've run small groups, is kind of these three kind of rounds of sharing. You know, we just check in. Whatever's on your mind is very informal. Second, factual. Maybe we talk about the message on Sunday. A, a little summary. Those are the facts. You know, the message last week was blah, 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 and we covered these things. If you want the notes, here are the notes. And then we share what we thought about the teaching, our opinions, our insights. I agree. I, I didn't. I disagreed. My insight, I thought this was interesting. I didn't get this. Or it made me think about something else. Those are your thoughts and feelings. And then application and then final check-in. And this is where you share anything. Rather than agenda, I've been in small groups that the agenda was, you know, so rigid, you know, maybe a person's an accountant or some financial person in their work life, and then they're a small group leader. And so from <laughs> 601 to 7 o'clock, everything is scheduled. <laughs> you know, uh, they have an agenda as far as their teaching and whatever it is. Um, you're not, you don't get to share and care and know each other in that type of environment. So, the final check-in, sharing anything you want, your thoughts, your feelings, goals, your dreams, your struggles, your confessions, your appreciation, your joys, your concerns. So it's important to have some structure. Um, I've shared this before. Keep your sharing to your own thoughts and feelings, okay? I've been in dozens of small groups and seen, like, I said, it frustrates me. Uh, we don't want groups or experiences to be like Forrest Gump's. Like life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get, right? You don't want that experience. Like, oh, what are we going to do there? You know, I don't want my personal business shared outside of this group. So strict confidentiality is very important to maintain to uh, create a sense of safety. So this is what I believe is impactful. Um, I, over COVID, I started a, a, a little small group in my house, and these were the guidelines. And it's amazing that people kind of show up. They don't know what to expect. Um, people are tentative. They're on the, you know, surfacey type of discussion um, for a while. But they hear that, okay, this is the goal of the group, is to maintain confidentiality. Well, that's interesting. That's cool. Maybe I might be safe sharing what I've been struggling with. Right? So it's important to be able to listen with empathy. Not listening to... With your opinion, it's so important. I've been part of so many groups. People share something, their own opinion. Gary shares his opinion on politics or religion or this denomination or that denomination. It's so important. It's so easy for us to not listen and revert to our own opinion or facts. We listen, we judge, we hear we process, is that right or wrong? 
and then we react to it. That's why they encourage you not to talk about religion and politics. <laughs> because people have a sense of, you know, this is what I've chosen, which is right and wrong. This is black, this is white in my head. And so, you know, you share someone that has a differing opinion, and guess what? <laughs> Sparks start flying, right? But in the opportunity of, with the goal of sharing your own thoughts and feelings, and let them be your own thoughts and feelings. You don't have to respond, react to somebody else's opinion. You just have to listen. What is listening? Is not saying anything, okay? Here, I'll give you an experience. Maybe I'll say, hey, I voted for Donald Trump. In your head right now, you're, you're judging really quickly, aren't you? Your shoulders are going up because your values are now clashing with everything that Trump stands for, right? But am I allowed my opinion? Your opportunity is to simply listen. It doesn't mean you have to agree, okay? It's a great art and skill of active listening, okay? You see an adult, a grandchild, you see a grandfather speaking with a grandchild. It's a great object lesson of how to actively listen. So you got a five-year-old. The five-year-old doesn't care about the grandpa's opinions, thoughts, feelings, right? You know, a little child comes up and says, says whatever, and the grandpa does what? What do you do as a grandparent? You repeat back to them, did you say this? Are you talking about that? Oh, you're feeling scared about that. Oh, oh my. You just reflect, right? You don't have to agree with the five-year-old. You don't have to debate. You don't have to have an opinion, but you reflect back what the child is talking about. That's pretty obvious, but when you're with your peers, that's all you have to do. So this is what we need to do. Listen with empathy, avoiding judgment or commentary. It's so easy to talk about other people when we get together with people. I can't stand that when I'm around people. They talk, blah, 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 and they're, always, they're just talking about other people. You know? Other people's business. Because it's easy. Because it keeps ourselves safe. And then when people share, it's so easy to judge it. It's so easy to springboard off it. It's so easy to uh, give a counterpoint to what we just heard. But that's not the, the, the uh, part of creating authentic community. If I have opinions or strong opinions, whoa, what if I share my faults and sins with you? You know? You might empathize. You might have the same struggles as me. There's probably some empathy there. But what if, what if my faults and sins aren't the same as yours? It's very easy to start judging, right? Like, whoa. <laughs> you know, that person's so weak. <laughs> They're a procrastinator. Wow, what's wrong with them? 
They're a hoarder. Wow, they're addicted to this. They're addicted to food. Well, what's the big problem? Right? It's so easy to be opinionated. But that's when we give the gift of listening, the gift of acceptance. Where is it? James 1, 9. So good. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak. So good. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And this is not James, this is mine. Above all, maintain confidentiality, even to one significant other. Um, when I share and care with people, um, especially when I, when I hear them sharing something a little sensitive, I'll, I'll let them know, oh, by the way, I won't repeat anything that you're sharing with me. And then, then they kind of go, oh, thanks. You're creating a safe space to share. Avoid simple answers. It's so easy to be opinionated about right and wrong, a right way to do things. It's so easy to take the big brother, big sister role of being the know-it-all, whatever. <laughs> Especially if you have some level of expertise in your life. Uh, it's easy for people to say, ah, oh, <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you what you're going through. Yeah, I've been there. I've, I've been there, done that. I know exactly what you've been going through. This is what you should do. All right? When you hear those words, that's the, I've judged you. I know what's right and wrong. I know the path forward. All right? But you know, they don't know you, right? They don't know you. They don't know your path, your walk. They don't know your personality, your differences. It's important to avoid simple answers, pat answers, quoting scriptures. It, it keeps us from even asking, like someone's going through a hard time, grief, loss. You kind of don't even want to ask how they're doing, right? Because <laughs> if, they if they share, it's like, what do I say, <laughs> right? It kind of relieves you from well, God is good, you know, God is good all the time, um, you know, God works out all things for those who love the Lord, <laughs> you know, what are, what are the things that we say, right, it's like, ooh, what could I say, you know, sometimes, a lot of, most of the times, you don't have to say anything, but just be present, present, so it's important that we listen without judging, without reacting, without responding, without correcting, without sharing our own opinion, without challenging. I've been in groups with people of all those <laughs> types. And guess what I do? And I'm not going to share a whole lot of my life with, <laughs> with those people, okay? It's important to listen with our ears, our eyes, being focused with our heart, with compassion. So as we wrap up, there's 10 of us, all right? And maybe many millions watching online someday. All right? It's important to join a church body, to live out the kingdom of God, to grasp it, to take hold of it, to reverse the effects 
of Genesis 3, to reverse the effects of our estrangement with God, with our um, personal um, estrangement with ourself, and interpersonally as well. This is what we come to church for. This is what we strive to do. This is what we strive to be. And that's the joy of living out our salvation. So let's pray, and then we're going to have some time of sharing afterwards. God, we just thank you for uh, meeting us here where we're at. God, you know even those things we can't even articulate and, and bring to articulate with words, God. You, you know them. You are our Heavenly Father. Jesus taught us to pray by saying, Abba, Father, Dad. God, you are not a distant God, but you are a present God. Someone who is rooting for us, who wants the best for us, who loves us. Even in spite of our sin, even while yet we were sinners, God, you you gave your son for us. You loved us, and you want to forgive us. And you want, God, to give us the Holy Spirit, your own spirit of victory in our lives, to reverse the effects of our sin nature, God. You want to redeem us and restore us. As gold, as fine gold, you want to purify us, God. God is certainly an image, but we do so in fellowship with our fellow believers. And we thank you for those that we walk through life with, um, our youth leaders that we've had, our ministers, our pastors, our elder brothers and sisters that have mentored us. God, we thank you for those opportunities. We thank you for you, God, who has mentored us throughout our whole lives. We thank you for this church body that these uh, folks have been part of, and we continue to um, strive, God. We ask for the uh, direction for the leadership to, to build in, God, that you would give the resources, <clears throat> not only financially, but the, but the practical uh, workings to construct a balanced, a well-balanced uh, church body, God, that teaches the Bible, that encourages fellowship, that is intentional about uh, living out our faith and encouraging others to come. So we thank you for your spirit, God. We thank you for your love, and we thank you for your forgiveness as we come to you and as we live it out with each other. In your son's name we pray. Amen. All right. There's no closing.